You have reached the voice mailbox of Game Thing Season 5 Code. You have 9 new messages. Monday, the 12th of June, at 5.37 p.m. Hey, this is David Walensky, leaving a message for Pippin Bar, uh, late afternoon, Monday, June 12th, 2023. And this message can only mean one thing. This is the beginning of the end of our discussing and exploring all things re-video games that are mired in coding and computational thinking. They're lousy with them. They're rife with them. They're, they're temptingly swollen with them. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you know me, Pippin, it's difficult for me so close to, uh, you know, without the, without the benefit of distance, it's hard for me to be like, here are my, here are my tidy conclusions, but I definitely have some thoughts. I think there's some thoughts that I can extract in conversation with you, and probably the the strongest thing I have right now, after we've played 11 games through this lens, um, probably the top thing, the top of my mind, front of my mind, is just that these games are so often either a world of pure imagination, or they just kind of drag you down in the in the dirt. So it's either pseudo-code, kind of based on real code, or it's one-to-one accurate schematics of stuff that are not quite real, but it's for people who know, they'll know what's going on. And I think that's absolutely sort of the gist of these games for me, is that they're really intended for people who know. And we can get into, like, oh, you know, is this meant to teach us? That's not really what interested me. You know, will it teach me to code? Mainly, it just this has made me aware that, like, oh, this is... A whole genre that exists and it goes back to the 1960s and I wish we could have picked some of those games that were so much older um, maybe we'll get to them later somewhere else but I think mainly you know the big thing I'm marveling at is like oh well you know maybe just about anything you can imagine with games you can discover is a genre you know does this just mean everything's been done or is there some sort of finite limit in the way we think about games, or does this just mean that, like, around games there's a, uh, a preponderance of people who speak code and want to make it into a playground? I mean, I guess that's kind of the most basic way to think about games. I mean, that basic in the pejorative way, but also just true. You know, like, is it fun? Is it a playground? Uh, what do you think? I mean, obviously you're the knowledgeable coder of the two of us, and you knew before uh, coming in fun? Yes, no. Playground? Yes, no. Not even the way you think about it? Yes, no. Let me know. Yes, no. Hopefully yes. Okay, bye. Monday, the 12th of June, at 10 p.m. 0011001011001001001011011011011. That's Hey David in Binary Code. Um... Quick answers to your questions. Uh, has this been fun? Is a yes point five. Uh, do I think of it as a playground? Is yes divided by no? Uh, and is it not even the way I think about it? Well, it's complicated. Um, these games have presented a bunch of different ways uh, to deploy code in the service of pretty different activities, you know, like... 
attack robots or just doing office work or hacking the world. Um, and I hear you that it's kind of funny to just embroil ourselves in this genre that neither of us was really aware of or, or engaged with prior to this, and I'm glad that we did that. Uh, but I think that the biggest thing when I just sit down and think about the sweep of games that we played, the thing that surprises me the most, I think, is how dystopian um, almost all of them were. <laughs> Um, and there's, there's a great quote that um, is in the back of the zine uh, of Exapunks, right after the dumpster donuts, actually, <laughs> which is a bit of a downer. Uh, but it's from Ted Nelson uh, in his book Computer Lib, which is something I, I read back in my computer science uh, days. And it goes like this, quote, Computers are just as oppressive as before, but smaller and cheaper and more widespread. Now, you can be oppressed by computers in your living room, end quote. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of the games are kind of about that idea. Uh, code has been about being a kind of a bad actor, being kind of an oppressor in one way or another. If we think about something like Hacknet uh, or Quadrilateral Cowboy, you know, even if you paint yourself as a good guy in those games, kind of sticking it to the man, uh, there's no question that you're like you know, kind of using code uh, to to dominate other people. Uh, Carnage Heart is another great example of that, right? You literally make robots that that kill each other on the battlefield. Uh, that is the point of code in that game, is destruction, the destruction of other code. Um, or sometimes, you know, we see code as maybe a flower trying to bloom. Uh, something like Else Heartbreak has got that idea, but still, you know, within a world where... Code is being used by authoritarians uh, to make life bad for other people. Uh, we've also had shitty, stunted lives because of code, and something like One Dreamer, where a lot of the experience of code was how dep depressing it was. Um, we've experienced being replaced by code and human resource machine, that idea that, what, you know, why are you doing all of this stuff? Computers can do this better than you. Uh, and some depressing combinations maybe of that uh, as well, you know, exapunks uh, being part of the problem to some extent in Shenzhen IO. Uh, and it's all very anti-Silicon Valley optimism, right, which is that whole code can change the world and it's great and we're going to solve all the problems. So is this, you know, is this, are these just games that are the dour cynicism of, of coders coming to the fore and being like, no, code has not made things better, code is bad and is used for bad things like capitalism and authoritarianism of one kind or another. You know, code will ruin your life, son. Stay away. <laughs> uh, but it's fun, too, and, and you should play this game. So we've come, a, we've come a long way, I think, from Bubba is You uh, back in the preseason, and it's, you know, it's joyous celebration of procedurality, rules, rule-breaking, rule-remaking. You know, where did it all go wrong? Tuesday, the 13th of June. At 1.16 p.m. Hey, Pippin, it's David. I am out walking to pick up a monitor. Everything in life revolves around computers, so it seems. And where did it all go wrong? I'd be happy to tell you. It goes like this. 0 the two is where it all went wrong, and 
it's a good question. You know, where did it all go wrong? And the the, the techno utopianism, Silicon Valley optimism. You know, there was always this desire for code to make a difference, um, but it did. And I think it's just that everything like this that makes a difference, it, it, it adds and it takes away at the same time. And so I don't know if it's fair to judge sort of what's going on in all of capital V video gamedom through the lens of these 11 games. We zoomed in on, obviously, well, obviously to us, we considered a bunch of others. Um, I think something that they're not saying, but that is there, is if it's true, there's a sort of nihilism here. You know, is it sort of reflecting on, <clears throat> reflecting on it? Sorry, I got splashed in the face with some water. Uh, you know, is it reflecting it or commenting on it? Or is there a bit here of know thy enemy, you know, that other, that other quote. Uh, and all that feels very massive and maybe something we can only say in connection with all these games, these 11 games together. Um, I think, you know, part of it too is just sort of the simple joy of tinkering under the hood. I definitely... I mean, I wonder, and that may be the other question I'd ask you is, why is it so often assembly language we saw pop up in these games um, versus some other one? And I wonder if just cursorily you're looking around, like, did you notice, did other coding games we didn't pick maybe feature another language? Beyond that, it's hard for me to say. And I want, I want, I want, uh, I want it to not be so nihilist, but maybe that's, you know, just the way it is. You know, I was watching RoboCop last night, as you do, as you're supposed to do in America on June 12th, 2023. And I found that it's, it's you know, cyber dystopian nihilism from 80s, 1987 really didn't exaggerate far enough. Uh, things have gotten much more bleaker than what at the time was considered... Uh, you know, it, just a ridiculous exaggeration. And so I wonder if looking back at these games, let's let's make a date. I'll send you a Google Calendar invite. Let's check back in like 30, 40 years on these games and see, did they exaggerate enough? Was it Was it too close to the chest? What do you think? Tuesday, the 13th of June at 2.05 p.m. Hey David, thank you for your thoughts. Um, and you know, will these games have got it right 30 to 40 years in the future when we meet uh, for our special, for our very special evening of talking about uh, a thing we did 30 years ago? Well, I think one interesting thing, I shouldn't use that word, nothing is interesting, um, but it's interesting is that almost all of the games that we played were made pre-AI boom, uh, right? Um, so they don't tend to take account of the idea that it's becoming bigger and bigger right now, which is that, you know, 
are people even going to write code in 30 years? Seems like the answer is no right now. Um, you know, jury's probably still out, but the ending of Human Resource Machine, I, I know I don't think you, you got there. Uh, so spoilers, uh, cover your ears for the next 10 seconds. Uh, it ends with them revealing to you that you've been replaced by a computer that can do all of the things that you were doing uh, much better. And of course, as a player, in some sense, you can remain smug because what you're doing is not being the idiot uh, in the office, moving numbers around and putting them on conveyor belts. You're actually the one issuing uh, the instructions. So you're programming the computer. Um, so you would still have a job in that scenario. Uh, but now the game would probably involve uh, you being replaced by an AI that does the programming. Um, and then what do you do? What's left? What's left for a little old human to do? Uh, they're coming for our jobs, yada, yada. Uh, so, you know, will we even be coding in 30 years or will we just be, you know, talking to chat GPT-20 uh, as it devours the entire history of programming and regurgitates it into its own mouth um, over and over again, getting better and better, <laughs> I suppose. Uh, the, one, of the, one of the game things that I did want to jump onto just because, you know, I think something that we're both interested in is, is small moments done well. Uh, of course, your, your fabulous turn of phrase. Um, and I do usually try and remember something that was striking uh, from all the games that we played that was maybe not a, a mega theme. <laughs> uh, and the thing that jumps out to me is something I, I never managed to bring up when we were talking about it during a Quadrilateral Cowboy, but I was doing a one of the missions in the hospital uh, facility, uh, and that's the level where you are learning how to use your uh, rifle that is controlled from your, your computer, your deck. Uh, you can instruct it to pivot around and point at things and shoot, and you need to use it to shoot buttons to open a door. Um, and so you, I did that. I, I successfully navigated the first door, so the rifle shoots the button, the door opens, I run through. Uh, but then you need to do that again because it's got to it's got to shoot one button to open it on and shoot another button through that door uh, to open the final door that you need to get through and I was, I was trying to figure out how to have the door open so I could aim the rifle um, and so I was busy I was doing all kinds of things I suspect it was really what I was doing was dumb but I was trying to wedge a <laughs> wedge a statue in the doorway and I dropped my deck and I spun around and the door closed and the deck was on one side of the door, uh, the locked side of the door, and I was on the other side of the door. And in that moment, um, I was suddenly severed from the world of code, uh, that the game, you know, the, the whole game is about how empowering and powerful that, that code world is. Uh, but at the same time, because the game embodies that code world in the deck, um, you can lose it. You can just not have it anymore, and you can uh, just become a, a person standing in a hospital uh, where they shouldn't be. And I loved that, and that reminder of there is still a physical world. It's not all just um, so not all just commands and execution is part of what makes the commands and execution seem special as well. Yeah, that's my thought. Bye, bye, bye. Anything like that happened to you? Bye, bye, bye. Tuesday, the 13th of June, at 5.53 p.m. Hey, Pippin, this is David returning your call. 
and just wanted to underline the optimistic thing you said. <laughs> just something that pops up for me often, not in conversations with you. Just the assertion that we'll be here in 30 to 40 years, um, given the state of things, is it's a secret optimistic thing. It's assuming quite a bit. And um, specific to what we're talking about here, I think you know I've been pretty untethered from the beginning. I don't know if I ever really felt empowered in any of these coding games. And I mean, I've told you this, I'll say it again, just, you know, it's funny, just in passing since we started on this season, most people... I know, including several game developers or coder friends or people generally open-minded about playing video games, looking for something different. I told them about this coding and computational thinking lens, and they said, oh, I wouldn't touch those games with a 10-foot pole. And then <laughs> they naturally assume, because you're the coder of, of, a, of the two of us, they assume you must have picked it. And I have to imagine... Um, you're touching other things with your 10-foot poles, but I can't imagine what. Um, and I suspect, you know, if it wasn't for game thing, neither you nor I separately or together would have embarked on this. But, you know, for me, the big thing that was sort of a, a bit of a paradigm shift or just very out of habit after a lifetime of playing games is I had to get over this reluctance I had um, to looking up answers online um to just sort of just i don't know i mean it's a bit like spoilers in a way or i used to feel like it's not in the spirit of playing the game that like you just sort of have to learn and figure out how to do things but you know there's a huge discrepancy between i think what developers of these games often think is sort of um accessible or figure outable versus the reality of and i don't think i'm typical of like people who don't know how to code. Um, I had to get over it. And I don't know that it necessarily always taught me something. I feel like, I've mentioned this before, I feel like it just sort of drilled into me a certain type of awareness as far as like code and just the very nuts and bolt kind of logic way it works. Um, but I noticed, you know, I looked through my notes in Quadrilateral Cowboy, something I also didn't mention. And I noticed in a couple other coding games is there was like this, often this like Alice in Wonderland moment or this sort of thing that pops up in video games a lot, but this like obsession that can pop up where you can jump into the screen. And I think like in Quadrilateral Cowboy, there was this moment where you're walking around terminal text and you see it, you think it's like a static 2D screen and then you move forward and you can like look around it. Like I remember that moment being actually quite striking. I don't know if that counts as a... Uh, small code done well. I don't know how often in coding, like, the actual writing of the syntax did something like that. Like, obviously, Else Heartbreak did this quite um, literally, holding it back from us and then opening up so many possibilities. But I wonder, you know, with the actual writing of code that it had us do, I mean, was there any sort of Alice in Wonderland-like moment for you where you thought you were through the looking glass? Um, the other thing, too, is just I wonder why so often, due to the wide-open possibilities with code, why is it so often with these games, it's either here, do this workbook, or here, 
let's fuck up some hospital records and ruin someone else's life. <laughs> it feels like there's other bookends or other entries along that spectrum that um, would at least be intriguing or, or, or possible or at least pop up. Um, this is David. Bye. Tuesday, the 13th of June at 8.11 p.m. Because, Lord, what you're going to do is you're going to find yourself in a four-year obligation. That's not the point, man. Yeah, yeah, it's I am, all a point. No, because it's not taking you where you, you seem to... Wednesday, the 14th of June, at 11.57 a.m. Hey, it's Pippin. Um, obviously. Yeah, we didn't really run into so much vibe stuff with coding, probably because coding is fucking hard. <laughs> it's not very vibey. Um... And yeah, the looking up answers thing is a really good point. Um, and I looked up some answers too. Um, and I, I guess maybe I feel like it ends up, like even though it's looking up the answers, it ends up being an extension of that idea these games uh, project of kind of already needing to know how. Um, in that, it seems like looking up answers for you, I mean, it was helpful, but it was still kind of mysterious. Uh, whereas the, the couple of times I did it, it was... It was interesting, like it um, it taught me things about brevity, specific uses of commands, etc. that I, I did kind of take on board and use later on. So it felt more like an educational resource, uh, more so than cheating, actually, um, which is which is interesting. But I mean, I think we also have to remember your point about, you know, we're cramming these things into one week, but they're really you know, simmer games rather than boil games. Um, and it's really hard to sink into programming uh, and thus maybe the vibe when you're on a deadline like we are. Um, and then Alice in Wonderland, yeah, the, the enter the matrix, the big moments of revelation. For me, uh, the biggest one I think was, was very early on, right after I got a a, uh, whatever they're called, modifier in uh, in Else Heartbreak, and I was getting a tutorial about how to program colors uh, on the mysterious cube. And it doesn't, or I didn't see any guidance on the, the range of numbers that you could use to set the colors. And so I used, I sort of assumed a specific uh, range that you would use to set red and green and blue would be between zero and 255. So I set red and green and blue to 255. Uh, to max it out and make it bright. Uh, but it turned out that the value range is actually 0 to 1. So 255 is a very, very big value. And it ended up making the cube, instead of the cube just kind of changing color and glowing a little bit, it cast this massive spotlit light all around me and illuminated the whole room and kind of revealed that objects that cast light can be kind of like torches uh, instead of just glowing. And that was really neat because that impacts on the world that you're in, right? Like you could literally, if there was a dark area, use that cube as a torch, which is not what it is. Um, it's more of a tutorial object as far as I could tell. Um, and then in that vein too, a literal kind of Alice in Wonderland moment for me was recognizing that I could um, change where doors went. And I kept thinking about making a door in town <laughs> that would go to my room. 
because it would be convenient. And I got, I was kind of getting tired of backtracking all the time to the hotel. And I thought, oh, well, you know, I could, I could just make a door go where I wanted to go with a bit of code. But then I never did it because I was, I was, I felt bad about inconveniencing people because I'm from New Zealand. <laughs> so I never did it. But it, um, the possibility of that, I think, was another big revelation. Like to literally. Distort, distort, distort the physical space of the world, which I think is just another big film. <laughs> Jesus, is another big theme uh, for me. Um, is that I really found the most interest and enjoyment when those games would uh, link up the code to the world around you, so that the code that you write changes what really happens in a physical reality, whether it's Carnage Heart, you know, the dancing robots, Else Heartbreak, obviously, Quadrilateral Cowboy controlling things like the the Weevil. Even One Dreamer was kind of leaning on that. Like, I think all of those are beautiful ways to show programming to people. Um, it connects with the idea of level editors, I guess, as well. Um, but yeah, what was the what was the most memorable thing that you made happen in the world with code? Beep. Wednesday, the fourteenth of June at two eleven p.m. Boy, I hope this sticks the landing. I hate when people say that about endings. Did it stick the landing? <laughs> I can I can feel the Olympic judges standing by as I. Yet again, call you, you, miss you, and leave a voicemail. But yeah, this will be, I guess, the final word on our sojourn into discussing games centered on uh, coding and computational thinking. So to your final question, my first starting point is, I think just the most memorable thing for me was really, honestly, maybe just because it's most recently, but just starting to get a hang of it in Exapunks, it, it, something was bubbling up resembling fluency to a point which, you know, speaks to the way very realistically this stuff is like learning another language, which was something else I always meant to ask you, you know, are you bilingual, trilingual, quadlingual, game-lingual? Um, because it felt like it was seeping into those kinds of uh, that put those parts of my brain as well. And your point about simmer versus boil games, <laughs> I feel like we've turned up the heat here enough to tell that it's boiling. But what does it mean if you know you're in a boiling pot? Well, I asked ChatGPT because these are the these are the times we live in, and we're starting to do stuff like this. So let's listen to this wisdom from a computer. It says, if you know you're in a boiling pot, it means that you are aware of a dangerous or harmful situation that you are currently experiencing. It suggests that you recognize the impending danger or negative circumstances and are conscious of the need to take action to protect yourself or make changes to improve the situation. Knowing that you're in a boiling pot implies that you understand the potential consequences of remaining in the situation without any intervention. It signifies an awareness of the need for proactive measures to address the problem or escape from it before it becomes too detrimental. In a broader context, the phrase, quote, knowing you're in a boiling pot, end quote, can be also applied metaphorically to situations where individuals are aware of a difficult or stressful environment, such as toxic work environments or an unhealthy relationship. It implies they acknowledge the detrimental effects, but may struggle to find a way out or 
take appropriate action. Ultimately, if you know you're in a boiling pot, it highlights your awareness of an unfavorable situation and emphasizes the importance of taking steps to protect yourself, improve your circumstances, or seek a way out. I don't know if you're still awake, but as you, a human, put it much better, coding is fucking hard. But I don't want to end on a, a down note, and I also don't want to let the computer have the last say, but I think it's appropriate to just sort of bring it into the conversation here, because this is what living with code is now, and, uh, you know, you probably remember, you know, there was something programming e you and I were working on together where I asked the AI to take a crack at it, and you were like, <laughs> I don't even know what language that thinks it is. Uh, it just was, like, filled with iterations that had little busy work ideas that weren't really smart, um, but it was trying its best, which I think is maybe what these coding games are all about, have been all about, which is, you know, we're all trying our best, um, but computers too. Bye. Wednesday, the 14th of June, at 3.42 p.m. Hey, David, thank you for reading so much chat GPT output uh, to me, and... In return, to also quote ChatGPT, uh, bits and bytes align, virtual worlds come alive, coding paints the dream. And yeah, I speak a few languages to varying uh, degrees of fluency. Uh, some of them thanks to the games that we've played this season. Uh, so, you know, English, French, JavaScript, Python, C-sharp, Java, Hacks, Inform7, Sprack, EXA, MC, XXXX, Assembly, Quadrilateral, Cal Basic, Carnage Plus Plus, and also Hmm? End of messages. Thank you for calling GameFin. For more information, please hang up and dial GameFin.life. Your call is important to us. While you hold for the next season, consider supporting GameFin at Patreon dot com slash other game things goodbye